Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. If you're new here, welcome to Freedom Church. Welcome. It's a real honor to have you here. The guests have come as those who are babies being dedicated, children being dedicated this morning. Um, it's also good to have people all around the world listening on our podcast. Uh, you won't realize this, but people do listen from all over the place. And then I need to, I've been asked to say a specifically uh, welcome to the podcast to Jerry and Elspeth Dugdale out in Uganda who are listening. And also, hold on, and also Judith and Neil Kirk who are listening in Rwanda. And so they're very keen that we all know that they're listening on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, somehow maybe it gives them better brownie points, but they're regular members of our church. And then in two weeks' time, I'll be out in Uganda as well, looking at the new um, uh, the primary resource centre that Serve Direct have been developing up in Gulu, and we're looking forward to seeing that. We're continuing our teaching series on Only the Brave. It comes from this book here. I know that someone came along this morning and said, oh, I've, I've seen Sim before from Spring Harvest. This is the book from Spring Harvest. I'm not about to do the same talk I did at Spring Harvest. It's okay. This one's a fresh one. But if you've read the book, it will sound very similar to chapter three. <laughs> I'll just put that one out there to you. Here's my question for you. Also, we've got a few books available at the back. If you want to go to the information point, you can pick up a copy. And all profits go to the building fund. Here's my question for you. Have you ever said anything that you've regret it. Yes. Have you ever said anything that, oh, everyone suddenly has that moment of kind of a flashback. Oh, I remember this moment, I was in this coffee queue, a long queue for the coffee, and this small boy came up to me, and this sounds terrible, we've just done these dedication of children, this small boy came up to me and he kept blowing raspberries. And so I engaged with him and tried to show like, oh, how amusing. But after a while, it wasn't very amusing. And he kept coming along and running up and then tugging my jacket. And I was just after a while, I was like, you know what? We've done the fun interaction piece. Now go and find your parents. That's what I was thinking. What I was saying was, oh, what a lovely little boy. <laughs> Eventually, I got very frustrated. I know no one else would do this. And I just said to him, you are being really annoying. Ha! <laughs> oh. What a mean, exactly, I went, oh no, this is awful. Then it gets worse, okay, I, I, I felt so terrible. I left the queue that I'd been queuing in for ages and I went to find his parents. And I apologised to his mum. I said, I, I know you don't know me, I'm really sorry, I just met your little boy who was still blowing raspberries. And, and I, and I, I apologised and she looked completely like, what on earth are you doing? Apologising for something you said. But you know, I thought the words I, I'd uttered weren't true and weren't helpful and weren't kind. And that's something that many of us have had those things said about us and they resonate for years to come. I read a story about a, a guy, he's the um, Benjamin Zander, he is the, uh, the conductor of the uh, Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he writes a book called The Art of Possibility. And in this book, he tells this story about a lady, she's, uh, she, when she was younger, 15 years old, and she is, um, she is a Jew in the, in the Second World War, and she's been taken to Auschwitz. And on, on this train, going to Auschwitz with her eight-year-old brother. And she notices her brother has lost one of his shoes. And she turns to her brother, and she says to him, you are so stupid, you've lost one of your shoes. At that moment, she says, the, 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 the guards came along and they took all the boys and put them on one lot of trains. And the girls were on another set of trains. And she never saw her brother again. She was a survivor. And she made this comment. She said, I don't want ever to let anything I ever say be the last thing that people hear 
that's a negative comment about them. And she made it an absolute life challenge that anything she would say, it could be the last thing someone would hear and it would be a good thing. I wonder what you say to people and whether you think, oh, if that was the last thing they ever heard, would that be of help to them? Or would it be something negative? Would it change the way that we spoke to people if we thought this might be the last thing they ever hear? Last week, Jo Ibbott spoke, and she spoke about the importance of living out our faith. Not just talking about it, but living it out. This week, I want to talk about talking. I want to talk about how we speak, how we communicate, how we say things with care. It's really challenging. And in the book of James, which this book, Only the Brave, is based upon, the book of James in the Bible has five chapters, and we're spending five weeks. And this week being the third week, we're going to read from James chapter 3. And as I was preparing this week, I thought, you know, I want to actually read the whole of the chapter of James. Is that okay? I wouldn't normally do this. I normally would read two or three verses, because we all like, you know, a little kind of, don't give me too much lengthy sermon, Sim. Keep it nice and short and sweet. And I would normally, but I thought, this is such a great chapter. And there are so many good things in this part of the Bible. I'm going to read it from the message version, which is a more modern translation. And the words will be on the screen behind me. If you haven't got a Bible, if you have, um, turn it on, open it up, whatever works for you. And uh, let's read from James chapter 3. It says these words. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, i.e. what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the highest and strictest standards. And none of us are perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. Any amens in the crowd? If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By a speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. Who's feeling quite encouraged about this point? <laughs> I'm glad I came to church this morning. But then James says this, this is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? I think it's a rhetorical question, but I think the answer is no, they don't. Uh, You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? Do you want to be counted wise? To build a reputation for wisdom, here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. 
mean-spirited ambition is not wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. Whatever you're trying to look better than others or get to the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at others' throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Words can lift people. Oh, that's it. Are we finished there? Oh, the screen is not, screen not working. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I can't see behind me. That's the, that's the, the message of James is going, you know, this is like an almost impossible task. How you speak to people can make a vast difference. Words can lift people up and inspire them to greatness. But words can also crush people's ambitions and desires. I want to talk today about our tongue and what we say, what comes out of our mouths mouths even. I guess some of you sitting here a little bit nervous. I'm not going to be looking at you. I'm going to be very much speaking to myself. Isn't it amazing how often we know what is the right thing to do, but we say something very different? You know, if you're trying to be good and you're trying to, you know, maybe you're on a diet and then somebody in the office passes around the cake covered in icing. You know what you should do, but what do you say? Here's what gets said. I shouldn't really, but go on then. <laughs> Anyone said that one? Or, um, I suppose you only live once. <laughs> and it's like, wow, we're about to die here. Uh, cake. Um, or oh, my favorite is this one. Uh, I guess I have been good recently. <laughs> I guess I have been good. And I've got no problem with cake. Hear me right. I have been good recently. Um, no problem with cake, but the idea that something in our head says no, but our mouth says something very different. Our tongue is very small but very powerful. James used the analogy there of this horse that is controlled by a small bit in the mouth. This vast ship that's controlled by a small rudder. The forest fire that's started by the small spark. Or the words that we use. The things that we say through a small tongue. Small is powerful. I think if James wrote this book today, he would probably talk about the mobile phone. Do you know, in your pocket, you have an incredibly powerful tool with your smartphone. In fact, you have more processing power on your phone than they, could, they had available to them to get the man on the moon 50 years ago. What you have is more than IBM had 50 years ago, and you can hold it in your hand. The phone is powerful, but I'm not really talking about the processing power. I'm talking about the ability to send a message to, to add a comment on social media, to post something on Twitter, to put an image up on Instagram. And actually, those simple actions can create all kinds of problems. I'm sure you've got stories of where someone said something that you wish they hadn't said. I had experienced a couple of weeks ago, some of you will know that I thought it would be a good idea at the age of 44 to start playing rugby again. And, and my first time I played, I managed a whole 10 minutes before I ended up in A&E. And I'd managed to 
there's a little bit left over, but I, I ended up with a black eye and a bruised face, and, and it was a bit embarrassing. And so I thought it was quite funny. I laughed at myself, and I, I put a picture of myself in the waiting room at Winchester A&E, and I thought that what I was just saying was, like, what an idiot. Look at me. And then down the little threads of comments, poor you, and, you know, nice one, Sim, all that kind of stuff, somebody then wrote these two words. They wrote the words, show off. Oh, that wasn't what I intended. And do you know what I did? I just completely stepped back. I thought, I'm not going to say anything about this black eye, about the fact that, you know, I was playing. I'm just going to go, right, I'll go quietly because I don't want that to be the message. I, I think really carefully before I put stuff online. I'm really upset when I, I get misunderstood. Do you have that experience? My kids laugh at me because when I post something on social media, give me half an hour and I'll be there. Uh, they'll, they'll chuck things up all the time and I'll be like, yeah, I'm just going to, oh, how could that be read? How would that be misunderstood? And then someone writes those two words and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not what I want to be seen as. So I stopped and I stepped back. Interestingly, that person's message disappeared after an hour. I think somebody had a little kind of gentle word about maybe that wasn't the most helpful comment to make. But we've all done those things. We're in a, in a haste. We say something. We write something that actually could have a knock-on effect. We must choose what we say really carefully. Jesus was really careful with what he said. You know, a man's words remembered 2,000 years later in some Bibles in red letters so you can't miss them. And yet everything Jesus said brought life. And when it was challenging and convicting, it was to people who needed to hear that side of things as well. He was very careful with his words and sometimes he chose to say nothing at all. The tongue is powerful. Winston Churchill famously said, with great power comes great responsibility, which was stolen by Uncle Ben in Spider-Man, the movie, <laughs> who said to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. But actually, let's be honest, Winston Churchill stole it in the first place from Luke chapter 12 that said, to much, to whom much is given, much is required. God has given every single person in this room the ability to build other people up, to speak good over people, to encourage people. And we have the same ability to squash people's ambitions, to shut them down, to, to say something that's unhelpful. We have that ability every single day. And I think in this book of the Bible, James chapter 3, I don't think James is saying, you know what, you've got no chance. Your mouth's out of control. I think what he's saying is, can you bring the power under control? Can you get this powerful thing called the tongue and can you give it some helpful control? Not to keep quiet, but to have humility, he says in verse 13. Humility comes from wisdom, knowing when to speak and when not to. In fact, the word there is for humble or for meek is this Greek word praus, P-R-A-U-S. This word praus is much more than the idea we often have of humility, I think it's an English sense of well, humble people, meek people, are like weak people. They're that sort that of, you can persuade to anything. They're like doormats you can step all over. But actually, the Greek understanding of the word praus is of a war horse. And here's how the story works. In, in the ancient Greek army, they would go out into the wilderness. They would gather loads of horses for the army. And then they would break those horses in. And some of those horses would be broken easily, and they would come under control really easy. And they would be the horses that would do the everyday jobs. They would, they would pull the carts, and they would carry people from place to place. But some horses would retain their wildness. 
but be able to come under control. They were the horses that could, could gallop into battle, who could see the enemy coming towards them, but would still do what the rider asked them to do. They were powerful, but under control. They were prowess. They were, in our language, humble. Can you bring your power under control? That's what James is saying. Can you think about what you say before you say it? The scary thing is that what comes out of our mouth doesn't start in our mouth. Where does it start? It starts in our heart. Matthew 15 says, from the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. You know, the mouth is like a, an indicator of your heart. It's like the, the petrol gauge in my car is an indicator of what is in my tank. Your words and my words reveal what is in my heart. That's a worrying thought, isn't it? But it's true. When people say something, often that reveals what's going on beneath the surface. You know, it is tragic when things are said in haste. Often when somebody is, in our house, often this is the case, when someone's hungry. We've learned to feed our children before we have difficult conversations. Hunger, anger, when you're feeling lonely and isolated or you're feeling tired. We can say things in a moment because of how we're feeling. Actually, we would never say if we were on our game. And I encourage you to recognize, how, how am I feeling? How, am, I, am I exhausted? This is true. Lottie will often say to me, she said, you're a bit tired at the moment. I said, yes, that's true. She said, um, who are you seeing next? Do I need to warn them for you? <laughs> when, we're, when we're upset or we are feeling frustrated, we can say things that we don't actually mean, but it can be a reaction to our, our emotional state. Recognize how we are doing before we go in, especially if you're going to have a difficult conversation. We can't take our words back. William George Plunkett said this quote, There are three things that never come back. The spent arrow, the spoken word, the lost opportunity. When you've said something, it's gone. It's out there. As much as you would like to grab hold of it like they're doing cartoons and put it back in your mouth, you can't. It's, it's gone. It's out there. And people will remember what you've said, sometimes sadly, for years to come. And I've had those horrible experiences where someone has said to me, do you remember what you said to me? Years ago, that phrase you used or that sentence you said, I went, oh. and obviously in the business that I work in, where I often stand in this position talking, I'm, wow, my words can build and encourage, but they can also do damage as well. I remember one horrendous moment I don't really want to share with you, but I, I was working for a printing firm, and I, uh, Zach had just been born, and Lottie thought I should get a proper job, so I went to work for this printing firm, and I remember one occasion I... I had a meeting coming up. I needed a financial report, and the financial director kept promising me the financial report, but nothing was coming through. And I was getting really frustrated. It wasn't happening. I thought, right, I am going to go see this financial director, and I'm going to tell him what I think, and I'm going to get him to give me that financial report. And I remember it so clearly, like it's in like, technicolor. And I'm storming down the corridor to his office. And I'm probably looking like I'm steaming out of my ears. And I go to his door and I'm about to absolutely pound on the door for him to let me in. When a colleague of mine says, you do know his mum died this weekend, don't you? Oh, I'm so glad that friend said what they said. 
I just backed away and went, you know what, forget the financial report. I've no idea what even that report was about, but it wasn't that important. I thought I could have so easily blasted somebody with my frustrations and they were going through a time of crisis and grief and uncertainty. I wonder if you ever said anything you wish you hadn't said. The good news is Freedom Church is that I am married to Lottie. (laughs) Sunday lunchtimes, we have this conversation where she goes, you know, you spoke this morning about this topic and when you said that line, Did you think that really was a funny thing to say? (laughs) Do you think that really was an appropriate message? On one occasion, true story, on one occasion, I had to ring up the technical guys and say, could you edit the podcast? (laughs) Because I've had the Sunday lunchtime chat, and that line should not go out. It's happened on more than one occasion, I'm sad to say. Sometimes I've even had these, every church leader's favorite moment, the morning, Monday morning emails with someone's kind of comments on your preach the day before. Can I say, I actually want us to have feedback. Anyone who stands and communicates, we are making ourselves vulnerable, but can I ask, bring your feedback with love and with kindness, but still bring your feedback. We need to learn. I want to be challenged. You know, I had somebody recently who came and said to me, you know, when you said that, actually that really wasn't very helpful. And I had to go, I'm so sorry. That was not my intention. Do you remember, you know, people are genuine, people are good, people mean well, but we do say foolish things in a moment of haste. Do challenge people, but as he says in verse 17 in James 3, be kind, be kind. The last thing I want to say before we finish today is a bit of a thought really for us as a church family here, and, and for the, if you're visiting here, you can pick this up if you want to. I want to say today to Freedom Church particularly, if I have this position as a senior leader here, to say, Watch your language. Watch your language. Watch what you say. I don't think there's any place in our society for swearing. You may think differently. You know, having joined the, the rugby club recently, I'm on their WhatsApp group. I could not show anyone here that WhatsApp group. <laughs> I was sitting in a prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, and all these pictures and, and messages and things, and I'm going, this is not helpful. Listen, swearing is when you run out of things to say by using normal everyday language. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Ephesians 4 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You might think that's a bit, that's a bit extreme. I'm going, you don't need it. Don't do it. And I want to have a, a place where we, we are speaking well of each other and we use language that lifts people up. Watch your language, watch your swearing, watch your banter. This goes on a lot in our house, banter. There's a place for banter, the idea of joking with someone you know really well. But it's only if you know somebody really well. You have a relationship. When I'm with my brothers, we slip straight back into that kind of borderline abusive behavior where we kind of give each other grief about everything from what they're wearing, what they're saying. You know, anything goes because we're like family and we know each other really well. But if you don't know somebody well enough... Just be careful what you say. Your idea of a joke may actually be really offensive to that person, especially, can I say, across different cultures. What you think is funny, because that's what you do in your home, in your background, the way you operate, may be very different in a different culture. When you travel somewhere else or you meet people from different uh, backgrounds, just think before you say what you think is funny. It may be misunderstood. And the last thing I want to say about language is watch your gossip. Watch how you speak about people who are not in the room. 
And that may sound really hard. But I'm going, if you can't say it in front of them, don't say it. My favorite proverb is Proverbs 17, 28. I've used this regularly. If a fool remains silent, he will seem wise. Yeah? We, we all get the chance to seem wise if we just keep our mouths shut. Get your tongues under control. The word of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Watch your gossip. Watch what you say about other people. We talked about a spark in the, in the creates a forest fire. When someone gossips and someone listens to that gossip and then repeats it somewhere else, it is like the spreading of a forest fire. It cannot be pulled back in. It is gone. It is gone. Be careful what you say. And when you hear somebody who is gossiping, don't just listen and say nothing. I would encourage you to challenge that behavior. Saying nothing is actually giving your unwritten agreement to what's being said. There is a way of kindly suggesting, do you think we should be saying that about that person when they're not here? I know these are uncomfortable things, but that's the message of this chapter in James 3 of how we speak about other people. We can pour petrol on a fire or we can actually stop the fire from spreading. Here's a a phrase for you that I wrote in chapter 3 of Only the Brave. It says this, I love this phrase, our words create the culture we want to inhabit. Our words create the culture we want to inhabit. They are the clothes that our thoughts wear. They are the wardrobe of our inner life, the outer evidence of our inner reality. Our words paint a picture of what's going on inside. We need to invest in our hearts because that's where the source of our words come from. Watch what you harbor in your heart. Watch what you hold there. In verse 14, if we harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, this will eat away at us. It's like a hidden illness. And sometimes you come across people who are overly critical, often because there's deep-rooted cynicism within them. Or people are always looking for affirmation because they've lost something and they need something to be returned to them. There's many things hidden within each one of us that our words remind those around us of what we're looking for. It can be really unhealthy. And I want to encourage you to look within yourself. Deal with the root of such feelings rather than allow your words to do damage to those around you, those you're in relationship, those you're in the church family with, those you're doing life with. Use your words to build up, not pull down. That's what your words have the power to do. Every single time you speak to somebody, you can lift them up or you can push them down. Every conversation you have, you can lift someone up, you can push someone down. Every email you write, you can lift somebody up, you can push them down. Every Twitter you send out, every Instagram post, you can lift someone up or you can push someone down. We all have that power every single day. Proverbs 16 says this, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. We have the ability to push someone up, so lift someone up or push them down. Our words are powerful, aren't they? Let's use our words for good. Let's get the band up and we'll bring this to an end. Here's a, a quote for you. It is always better 
to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Or as Cicero said, don't criticize, create something new. We often encourage our children at home to use Philippians 4 as a useful guide to the words that we say. Philippians 4.8 says, only say things or think things if it is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about such things. As we're talking about the book of James, about being determined disciples, I want to encourage us. What James is saying here is to say, think about what you do with this powerful tool, the tongue. To train ourselves to speak love. I had this lovely moment last week, a couple in the church said, every time we come to Freedom Church, we leave encouraged. I hope that is the message you get every single week you come. You leave encouraged. The courage has been put into you. That you've been lifted up, not pushed down. It requires each one of us to get our tongues under control and be careful what we say. And James is saying, if we can get our tongues under control, we can get our whole lives under control. The tongue, he says, is very small but makes a huge difference. It'll affect the whole of your being. The whole person is affected. The sad thing is, I'm really sorry to say this, there is no quick step three-point program. You can't sign up for an online process about sorting out. It is something that takes time, one step at a time, one day at a time, one conversation at a time, one year at a time, making those small improvements as we head towards the greater goal. That is discipleship, following Christ, living life his way. It requires bravery, determination, if we're going to choose to tame our tongue. This is not an easy message. It's not a simple message. It's going to be hard work. But I believe that if we look after the words we say, we will bring life to all those around us. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.